0: Let's try shifting some relationship paradigms on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and I wish you a very happy December. Uh, This podcast is going out on December 1st. And I don't know if you're feeling like I'm feeling, but this year has gone fast, and uh, it's already into December, and looking forward to Christmas. Uh, we had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend, and I hope that you did, too. Uh, I want to take care of a couple housekeeping things before we get too far into this podcast Um First of all, if you would be interested in leaving an end-of-year donation for this podcast, this is listener-supported, and we really would appreciate that. You can go to pushbackculture.org, and there is a donation tab there that you can click on. uh, Or you can go to gofam.org and also leave a donation there for the ministry as well. Uh, I'd really, really appreciate that. And if you would consider that, if this uh, podcast has blessed you in any way, I'd really appreciate your financial support as well going forward. Um, My daughter uh, Lydia uh, is a singer songwriter and she has a song release and fundraising concert. If you're anywhere near the Brainerd Baxter area in central Minnesota uh, are willing to make a little bit of a drive Saturday December 10th this is just right around the corner here 6 p.m. at Heritage Church Youth Building in Baxter Minnesota. Uh, My daughter is a gifted singer and songwriter, and she is actually releasing a new song uh, at this concert. Uh, So that's super exciting uh, and working on a music video that goes with it. Uh, So we're very happy and excited for her. Uh, All proceeds are going to go to a ministry internship that she is beginning in January, uh, which will culminate in a a leadership position there and a ministry trip to Kenya. Uh, And so I would uh, really appreciate if you'd consider going there to support her, listening to some great music, uh, and hopefully giving to a wonderful cause. That's Saturday, December 10th at 6 p.m. at Heritage Church in Baxter, Minnesota. So I invite you to that and would love to see you there. Um, I talked about uh, shifting relationship paradigms. Now paradigm is a word that's thrown a lot around a lot, and a paradigm is really, by definition, a typical example or pattern of something or a model of something. Now, it's been kind of used as a paradigm as sort of a new way of thinking about it. But then you have to put a word in front of the paradigm, like shifting the paradigm or a new paradigm, (laughs) because the paradigm is the typical thing. The new paradigm would be some way of maybe thinking about it differently than we've thought about it in the past. Now, I do want to get into and back into my powerful parenting series. I have sort of a top 10 list of, I believe, topics that are so important to our young people today and so important for us as parents to be proactive in discussing this with them. I talk about them taking the stand, not just taking a stand, but taking the stand, being able to field questions, cross-examinations from this world and actually have answers to these, I my 10 topics. Um, and so I want to get back into that. And 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 still left on that list is dating pressures, sexual pressures, um, um, societal pressures that are given to children and kids and teenagers in regards to relationship. So before I get into that, and before I, I roll back into powerful parenting, as I'm, I'm going to kind of bleed that topic out over time, I want to really talk about relationships in general and I just believe that uh, actually if you're watching on YouTube I actually have a chart in my hand because that's the way that I think (laughs) I think in charts and I just want to walk through that together if you would uh, do that with me today and um, give you maybe a different way of looking at a few different things in regards to relationships forming relationships dating engagement marriage etc uh, my wife and I, we minister in the realm of family. Um, we are the founders of GoFam Ministries, and we minister to marriages and parents and and, uh, and families. And, and it's such a privilege and pleasure to do that. And so I not only have been able to observe kind of what works and what doesn't work, uh, but we also have children ranging from ages 26 to 10. And so we are living it and walking through that. And, and it's opened my eyes to a few different things and in, in some ways that we in Western society have sort of, quote unquote, done relationships, end quote, um, and not always in a healthy way or in a productive way or in a safe way. And <clears throat> I don't want this paradigm to be fear-based at all, and that's not the goal of it at all, but to actually maybe help walk you through as parents and as teenagers through some of these Um, issues that face us so that we can do it in a healthy way. We really want health Um, and we want to be able to form relationships uh, without um, that devastating painful part that seems to be so often the case. Our Western society has really looked at dating as sort of these short-term temporary relationships that we form with people and often leave scars and pain and heartache Unnecessarily, unnecessarily, that's the word I want to really hammer home on this podcast, is there is some unnecessary pain that we can avoid. Not that our whole goal in life is just to avoid pain. That's not really the highest calling. But we can avoid unnecessary pain. And I think that we can do relationships in a much healthier way. So I have, you know, basically six sort of categories or stages of relationships that I've written down and, and a brief description of each one and how, the, how we transition from one to the other, all the way from casual friend to married. And um, I just want to go through those. And I, I think what helps define this is I have a question that should be asked at each stage. A question asked at each stage. And the answer depends on whether you go to the next stage or not. And so I think it helps define it and categorize things. And then shortly thereafter, I can get back into powerful parenting and and plug in how I believe teenagers fit or really in many ways don't fit yet into some of these categories. And why sometimes dating at such a young age is so painful and counterproductive and, and really not answering the questions that need to be asked. So the first category or stage I call important people. <laughs> important people. We all have important people in our life or people that we rub shoulders with and, and really what we would call them is sort of casual friends. People that we are just doing life next to. We spend time together and, and I think the key to this stage is just learning from each other. If we actually go into relationships even just with the people that we work with, the people that we talk to, the people that we share time with, even some people at church, the people that we uh can can spend moments together where we actually learn from each other and we can embrace um that time of listening and and honing in on each other. Now, I call this category or stage sort of a growing or growth stage. And I believe it should be a really big, large part of our lives. And it's a time when we are single in this situation. Now, this isn't exclusive to singles. We can have casual friendships, obviously, even after we're married. But it's also a time to grow our identity, that place where we are comfortable in our own skin. I love using that term. That's that's such a, a calling I feel in my life is to have people embrace their identity and be comfortable in their own skin the way God created you to be. And that's that growth phase. And when we see important people around us, it's such a great opportunity. And sometimes we move past that when we talk about dating and 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 opposite sex attraction. Um, so often we, we move past that phase so quickly. So there could be people that we rub elbows with, these, these important people, um, um, people that I would call a casual friend. But we can ask the question when we see somebody in that group that perhaps we're attracted to or that we're interested in. We ask the question in this first category or stage, is this someone I want to be deeper friends with? I think it's an important question because I I believe that kids get trapped in this and adults get trapped in this as well. Not everybody has to be our deep friend. And and there might be some friendships that are actually fairly destructive. And we've all had maybe these relationships or friendships where there's sort of that sucking sound where people actually deplete you and it's not actually healthy. And when you're done meeting with them or talking with them, you actually feel uh, uh, sort of yucky inside, feeling like like something's been removed from you. It's because they're just needy friends, and that's okay, and it's okay for them to be needy, but it's also okay that you don't have to foster deep friendships with everybody. There might be some people that want to pull on you or take your time or or become part of that inner circle. Not everybody gets to be part of that inner circle. Amy and I have many, 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 many casual friends that we've learned from and grown from and, and, and enjoy and and like even being with. But there are a smaller handful of people that we would consider to be our inner circle, our deeper friends. And when we talk about this in relationship to to an attraction or someone that we are interested in, we have to ask the question: Is this someone I want to be deeper friends with? Period. And if the answer is yes, because you're attracted to them or want to spend more time with them. Then we move into the second category or stage called friendship. <laughs> and it's a deeper friendship. And I call this sort of the observing stage where we can actually just watch each other. If this is somebody that you're interested in, and what a great opportunity to just watch them in their home situation or see them in life situations. When we're casual friends, we don't actually see how people interact with other people and how we engage other people and how we treat other people. We learn about their ambitions and even their faults. We can learn about red flags, the things that cause us to hesitate. Because when we get into a deeper friendship relationship, hopefully some of those guards come down and we actually get to see more of a reality of who people are. You know that people can put up a really good front for short periods of time, but not forever, and life has a way of sort of bringing out our true colors, good and bad. And there's nothing wrong with that. All of us have our faults and and our and our our ways that maybe we react in the flesh when we shouldn't. But what a great opportunity to observe, and I and I believe. This is probably one of the biggest paradigm shifts that I would call for in Western society with our young people, even as adults as we're looking to enter into relationships, is spending more time in this friendship phase. The world today tells us that when we're attracted to somebody, we want to spend more time with somebody, that we just need to start dating right away. That's what you do, is that you date. And what I would submit to you is that there's friendship piece is... Is the perfect way to actually obtain information about somebody in their natural environment. It's sort of like Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, and <laughs> you're standing there with a the camera and watching them relate to their parents and relate to their siblings and relate to their bosses and 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 see how they treat each other and and, and see them in, in their sort of true colors. And, and during this friendship you can, what I say, fall in like with someone. <laughs> it's not in love with someone, it's in like with someone because love isn't just a feeling. You may feel the feeling of love, but in a friendship, in a deeper friendship, and if we do this right and we take our time during the friendship phase, you can determine that, yes, despite their faults, despite the things that I see, I like them. I like the way they treat each other. I like the way they treat the people around them, the way they do life, the way they interact. I enjoy being around them. And you ask yourself in phase two, is this someone I could marry? Because if you're going to enter into a dating relationship, it has to have a target. And the target in the dating relationship is going to be marriage. Now, it doesn't mean that you're committing to marriage. It doesn't mean that, that this means that this is the one no matter what. It just means is this is somebody that I could. And if the answer is no, like, you know, I had relationships in high school, quote unquote, girlfriends. And if I look back and I was honest with myself, they weren't people I w- were going to marry. I didn't never felt that. It's just that that's what you do is you date each other. And and that's how the Western society does things. And so we like each other. So we're just going to start dating. And it causes pain and and needless heartache. And, and that's the part that I really want to hit home with this paradigm shift is that we spend more time in that friendship phase. And if the answer is no, I don't really see that this is somebody I could marry, then there is absolutely no reason to start dating. And I would submit, and I'll talk about this more, that when we get into specifically powerful parenting and, and, and discussing this with our children, That if they say, well, I don't know if it's somebody I could marry, I don't even think about that, then the answer is you're way too young. And if you as parents are looking at kids and say, well, they shouldn't even be thinking about whether they could marry this person. They're just kids. Well, then they absolutely shouldn't be dating. They should just have a deeper friendship and that's okay. Friendships are good. Friendships are great and they can mature and grow in those relationships. So I believe that Kids, especially, dated a way too young of age, and I'll get into that in other podcasts. So let's say you fall in like with someone, and you say to yourself, "Well, this is somebody I could marry." Then you enter into what's called a dating relationship. Now, there's been a lot of talk and different su- on on this subject by different Christian authors such as I'm kissing dating goodbye and other things, and I, and I respect and honor all of those, and I believe that many of those are fairly right on. I, I do believe that dating someone, somebody is an important phase before entering into a more deep, intimate phase because I call it more of an experience-type phase, whereas friendship is more of an observation. Dating is more of an experience-type situation where you can actually start to experience some life together, of course, within boundaries. You experience home situations. It's an exclusive relationship where you're not, quote unquote, seeing other people, obviously. And there's some situational awareness. And what I mean by that is, is that when we live life together and or near each other and we're dating and we're spending some time, then we run into situations where we become aware of how we interact with each other. And that's dating. And I think that's okay. I think that's doing some life together. Now, I will say that in all of these phases, I'm on stage three, that this should be done as a family and in conjunction with people that have your back from day one. I think it's critical that we as families actually walk through these together and find those people that would be an... The bunker with you. Find those people that would jump in front of a bus for you. Those are the people that you want to discuss relationship with, so that when we get into deeper friendships, uh, in like and ultimately being in love, that we can navigate those with people who can see things clearly, because we do not want to be led by emotion or feelings. It doesn't mean that there aren't feelings. It doesn't mean that there aren't emotions. It's a critical part to falling in love. But we're not led by those. We're led by our spirit. And we can connect with other people who are also led by the spirit, who have your interests in mind, that help navigate these relationships with maturity. And if you are mature and you're in a dating relationship, then you will listen to those people. And so we go from is this someone I could marry during a deeper friend relationship to is this someone I want to marry during the dating relationship. Is this someone I want to marry? That's the question. And and if the dating experience goes well and you say, "Yes, I think we do work well together and and I do see the heart of this person." And 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 you do feel like you're falling in love. And I say feel like because it is a feeling. You're falling in love. Then here's the biggest paradigm shift that I would like to propose in this podcast with the time that I have left. Is when you propose to someone, we ask them, will you marry me? Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, honestly. Because that's the same question that's asked at the wedding ceremony itself. And so when you're asking somebody, will you marry me? And they say, yes, you aren't getting married at that point. You're actually becoming engaged. And so here's a paradigm shift for you. We'll see if this ever catches hold. (laughs) Instead of saying, will you marry me? You say, will you engage me? It makes more sense. You know, back in the day, as we are entering into the Christmas season, you know, we talk about betrothal. So Mary was betrothed to Joseph and I always wondered what that was. And, and of course, in our Western society, we don't do betrothals. And a lot of times betrothals were, was more of a contract in an arranged type marriage. Even money was sometimes exchanged um, during that time. But as I dug a little bit deeper into betrothal, I read and this jumped off the page to me. It was a time for the husband and wife, future husband and wife, to get their house in order. And I love that. I believe that engagement, will you engage me, should actually become the most intense portion of this process, where you actually begin to open up your heart. Now, when I say that, I mean that during the dating experience, I think we need to be careful about soul ties. Please see my previous podcast regarding soul ties, where we open up too much of our heart and give away too much before we are actually answering the question, is this someone I want to marry? Before we can answer that question, we should be careful on how much of our soul that we open up to somebody else. But when we become engaged, I believe we can begin to open up our soul and have intense counseling, expose issues, talk about real-life scenarios. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing is healing. First, personal healing, then relational issues, in that order. I believe it's critical that we go after internal, personal issues, identity issues, the things that actually affect marriage. And engagement is the perfect time to do that. But what we have done in Western society is we've considered engagement the time to plan the reception, (laughs) to get a caterer, to rent a tent. That's not what engagement was meant to be. It's meant to get our house in order. What we are going to enter into in covenant and in oneness what a great opportunity, the perfect chance to actually deal with some of these issues. And you should be in love enough to actually seek healing. Now, this is critical. And I really want you to hear me on this point. If you were engaged to someone who is unwilling to seek healing, engaged with somebody who is unwilling to go to those deeper places and open up their heart and soul to you, that is a humongous red flag because that does not get better in marriage, that gets worse in marriage. And so if someone is a closed book and unwilling to share their heart with you during this engagement period, will you engage with me, then I would submit to you that they are not truly in love with you. They are unwilling to open their heart. They are just looking for a partner in life. They're not looking for oneness. I would go so far as to say we have a real problem in marriage and the fact that 50% of marriages end in divorce and my friends in the church, that percentage does not get much better. So there's something broken in stage one through four that gets us into marriage and have marriages not last. What is broken? The, what I believe is broken is that engagement where we're actually getting healed prior to getting married. It's the critical place. I call it a 50-25-25. Since 50% of marriages do survive, I believe 50% of counseling during engagement periods are probably going to be okay without major red flags. But I believe the other 50% should have red flags because that's what the statistics would tell us and we need to draw that out before the devastation of marriage and divorce. And I believe 25% of those people when engaged in active counseling would 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 show or manifest that they need more work. Like they could get married, but they need to they need some more healing before that could take place. And I believe another 25% should just abort end it. Probably isn't going to work the ones who are unwilling to seek healing, the ones who are unwilling to engage. And, and if we, I believe a, a strategy is to create, and maybe the Lord will walk my wife and I through this, but to create a, a more intense premarital work. And if you're doing it right, it should be about 50, 25, 25, <laughs> that you are wholeheartedly Endorsing about 50%, and the other 50% need some work before you get married. People think, I will get married, we'll figure it out. My friends, it doesn't work. The statistics show it. And in reality, we've seen it. So you start out being in love, and love enough to seek healing, and you end being commissioned, meaning, is this someone I will marry? Is the first question. The second question is, Why are we getting married? It's critical to know that when we get into these relationships, deep, intimate relationships, that we are called together for a reason. This isn't just so that we have a companion through life. My wife brings me great joy every day, but it's not just for that. We're actually called together for a reason and for a purpose. We're here on this earth to raise our children, to raise a family, but also to minister to the world. That's why we're here on this earth and what I ha- what I hammer home regularly on this podcast. We're here to minister to the world. And your marriage plays a part to that because you are co-missioned, brought together for a mission that can be done together, which cannot be done apart. That's how important these relationships are. Then stage 4 is a wedding. People skip over the fact that there's a wedding. Wedding isn't just a trite ceremony with a reception to follow. It's a miraculous transformation that takes place. And then a marriage is stage six. When a marriage becomes a marriage is a place of deep intimacy. So we work through these stages. So I'm just throwing this in the pond to see how it floats and see how you guys think. But I believe that We need to spend more time in a friendship phase and we need to be more intentional and more engaging in an engagement phase. It's a paradigm shift. I would love to hear what you have to think about, what you think about all of this. Go to pushbackculture.org, pushbackculture.org and leave a message or a comment about this. We're going to talk much more about it. I do want to talk about powerful parenting and plug in teenagers into these paradigms and see how it works or how it doesn't work. So I look forward to talking to you more as we go together now to set and shape the culture.